fatherlessness. Is it really a problem in America or in the world? If it is, why does it even matter to me? I've got my own problems to worry about, right? Well, in today's episode, we'll explore this issue of fatherlessness in America and across the world. Get ready to be challenged in your thinking. This is the Successful Man Podcast. Thank you for joining me today for episode two of the Successful Man Podcast. My name is Rob Montgomery. Today we're going to look at this topic that really weighs heavy on my heart, and that's this issue of fatherlessness. We're going to start off today by defining what it is, and it's a pretty simple definition, just the absence of a father or a father figure in your life. In 2017, the U.S. Census Bureau identified fatherlessness as children living without a biological step or adoptive father in their life. And they provided this statistic. They said more than one in four children in America live without a father in the home. I want you to think about that. That's pretty staggering, isn't it? One in four kids without a dad. That equates to 19.7 million children here in America. So if you're a school teacher, a principal, a coach, maybe the next time you go to a football game or a concert, maybe the next time you go to a basketball game or a graduation or just any event, I want you to look at all the kids around you and then start counting. Every fourth kid does not have a father in their life. I think that's pretty sad. That really breaks my heart to think one in four kids don't have a father figure. I'm a father. I have four daughters, and I love them with all my heart, and I want the best for them. I invest in their lives and their education and their personal growth and their spiritual growth. I try to teach them and train them, and I pour myself into them, and it saddens me to think about other children that don't receive this type of love. I want you to think about that for a minute. If you're a father and you love your kids, think about How many kids don't have what you pour into them each and every day? Sometimes I ask myself, how much different would my daughter's lives be without this type of guidance? In fact, I wonder how much different my life would be had my dad not invested in me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't make it without a father in your life. And I'm not saying you can't be successful and that you can't learn or grow without a father. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say today is that there is something special that happens when a father loves and invests in their child. There's some lessons only a father can give. There's something special about a loving fatherly influence. Now, before I go any farther... Let's just get this part out of the way right now. If you are listening and you're a man that's produced offspring or will produce offspring, I want to charge you to be a man and take care of that son or that daughter. You may not have wanted a child or maybe haven't planned for a child, but here's the deal. The result of your temporary pleasures may have resulted in a human being being produced. So be a man and love that child, teach them, train them, invest in them. I may sound a bit harsh, but I am passionate about men being men when it comes to being a father. In fact, I believe that's why we have many of the difficulties in this country, is we can attribute it to this fatherless crisis. You may think that's 
a bold statement, but let me share some of them with you. The National Fatherhood Initiative calls out some key issues. You can find their website at fatherhood.org. They have an infograph that describes the impact of the fatherless crisis here in America. I'll try to post it on the website for the the blog for this podcast, manofsuccess.blogspot.com. That's manofsuccess.blogspot.com. So let me just go over just four of these outcomes that they attribute to fatherlessness in America. Number one, no father in your life, four times greater risk of poverty. Number two, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Number three, more likely to go to prison. Number four, two times more likely to drop out of school. Those are pretty staggering stats if you ask me. And do you want that for your son or daughter? I believe you're saying no. But I want us to elevate our thinking today a little bit. Do you want that for the children of your community? Remember, one in four don't have a father in their life. Do you want that for this country? I say no and a thousand times no. But what do we do? I think right now it's appropriate to give a shout out to a friend of mine whose name is Monty Bush that lives in Dayton, Ohio. Monty's the CEO of a nonprofit called The Victory Project, and you can find more about what they do and how you can contribute on their website, which is victoryproject.org, victoryproject.org. You see, Monty was a police officer, and I'll I'll share a little bit about him just from my conversation with him. But he was a police officer in Dayton, Ohio. He dealt with kids on the streets without fathers in the home. He shared with me that while he was on patrol, many times he'd drive by churches and he'd wonder to himself and maybe pray, God, what are Christians doing to help these kids? we got all these churches here. What's going on? It's a great question. I'm a pastor of a small church in rural Arkansas, and I love going to church. I love the activity of church. I think church is important. But I do often ask myself, is this it? Shouldn't we be doing more? It's a tough question to answer. It's easy just to fly on automatic and come to church every Sunday, live our lives six days a week. But I I just think that churches and Christians are meant to invest in communities. Let's go back to Monty. Rather than wonder what uh, others were doing, here's what he did. He decided to do something and start the Victory Project. What you're not going to see on their website is that when this nonprofit started, one thing Monty did was have dinner every single night with the youth he was mentoring, every single night for years, him and his wife. Cooking meals themselves, sitting down at the table with these young men. In fact, he told me that he felt like that was one of the most valuable moments or times early on when he was getting this nonprofit off the ground was just sitting around the supper table and talking about life. And I, I want to challenge 
the men today listening, if you're a father, take inventory of the last time you've sat down at the supper table with your family. Is everyone on a phone? Or do you set that aside and, and talk about life, talk about the day, ask questions? It's such a great opportunity to interact with your children. And, and I just want, I want to say make it a habit of sitting together as, as much as you can, possibly can. I understand there may be work schedules or uh, life things that happen that get in the way, but as much as you can, try to make it a point to sit down with your kids at the supper table or for a meal and visit. Well, the focus of the Victory Project is is to help young men link up with a mentor. They try to provide training, help them focus on school, obtain employment, learn about financial management, and really the list goes on. Their program is focused on the three E's, education, entrepreneurship, and enlightenment. It's really an amazing program, and it's making a great impact on young men in his community, many of whom lack a father in their lives. Even today, even though this this program has expanded its scope, one of their key components is dinner together. Again, I just want to ask, do you sit at the table, talk about life, talk about what troubles you, talk about what motivates you, or ask your kids what motivates them, what troubles them, how was their day? It's about walking with your children, being a mentor, being a father, is really just walking with your kids through life. And I think one of the greatest ways to do that is at the dinner table. Some of you may be asking, Rob, why are you so passionate about fatherlessness? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's really two events that in my life caused me to become more aware of this issue. The first one was when I was deployed in Afghanistan in 2010. And I have a lot of stories I hope to share in future podcasts, but today we're talking about fathers and and children. When I went to Afghanistan, I was really excited to make an impact on a nation. I was proud of our country, the fact we were trying to build theirs, and and really, you know, the old saying, we were trying to take the fight there so we didn't have to fight here, and I, I do believe in that mindset. And I'm sure anyone that's in the military that served over in Iraq or Afghanistan would agree 100% with that as well. But at that time, our country was investing billions of dollars into the Afghan economy. I was with a group. We were sent to really help prop up the economy by finding businesses that created jobs, and especially for uh, women-owned businesses was was a big focus. After being in Afghanistan for several weeks, my... My grand ideas of American impact changed pretty quick, though. And here's what I learned. Money doesn't solve problems. Money doesn't change culture. Money doesn't improve society alone. Now, our country, even though we had good intentions, what we failed to realize is that the structure of society in Afghanistan prevented And it's going to always prevent progress. It's 2020. A lot of things haven't changed. 
And I realized in 2010, it didn't matter how much money we threw at the country, there were some fundamental issues at play that would prevent success. Let me just stop for a moment and say to fathers, don't base your success as a father on how much money you give or how many gifts you buy for your children. Money does not make you a successful father, and gift-giving does not make you a successful father. I believe children may appreciate gifts. Of course, I did as a child, but I think more importantly, the, the best memories I have is the time my dad spent with me, not necessarily what he bought me. Anyway, I remember a discussion I had with one of my friends who was a doctor there in Afghanistan, and we had some frank discussions about what was going on while we were there. He shared with me that really one of the most difficult things he had to deal with as a doctor was the number of boys he had to treat in the local communities, because Americans don't just treat Americans, right? We offer medical care to anyone that comes to the installation. When our uh, when our Marines and soldiers, he told me, would enter villages, what they discovered was that young boys were often used as, you could just call it, pleasure toys for village leaders. And guess what our doctors had to do? They had to treat the damage done to the bodies of these boys caused by the men of the village. I'm not going to go into detail here, but you can put two and two together. And these were not isolated cases. This is a cultural thing in Afghanistan. It sickens me. And I want to make this clear. It's not just the guns and the bullets that impact our military when we deploy. We see things we shouldn't see. We deal with things we shouldn't have to deal with. And guess what? It affects us for life. And I realized in about two seconds that society there does not respect or value life. First of all, a man that abuses a boy is not a man. He's a monster. Second of all, a man that would let his boy be abused by another man is not a man. He's a coward. And my point here is this, at the core of that society, children were not valued. Now, I know we have our issues in America. We have pedophiles in America. But I'm talking about an entire culture where this is practiced and commonplace. It's hard to understand unless you've seen it firsthand. But again, when children are not valued by fathers, when they're willing to give them up for vile reasons, money is not going to fix anything. So let's bring it back to this country in the U.S. To me, there's an undercurrent of not valuing children. I think if we look at society today, we should be able to agree with that. And why do I say this? Because we see it in this fatherless crisis in America. 
The second event that really changed me forever as a father was a mission trip to Uganda. And I've actually done two trips there. They have a fatherless problem there, but it's due to a totally different reason. It's due to HIV, AIDS, and war. They've literally lost an entire generation of men. And now you have a country where nearly 50% of the population is 18 years old or younger. UNICEF estimates that 2.5 million children in Uganda are orphans. About half of them as a result of AIDS. The majority of children there are being raised by mothers or grandmothers. I think one of the greatest concerns of many Ugandans is that the lack of a thriving economy and employment opportunities, it may result in vigilante groups offering money to young men to fight for their cause. This is a major concern going forward as a society. The concern is it will become full of chaos rather than a society that provides opportunity, safety, and security for its people. If you just take a moment and Google Al-Shabaab or the LRA, you'll see they're actively recruiting in this area. And there's no doubt that Central Africa is at a tipping point. So fatherlessness, it's a global problem. And when we begin to understand the scope of it, it really seems beyond our control. So we've got two options. We can ignore it and do nothing. Option one. Or option two, we can actually try and do something. I want to be a successful father. How about you? I want to do something, but what do we do? Today, I want to give you three things you can do to be a successful father, not just for your children, but for other children who may not have a father figure in their life. The first thing is this. You need to commit to being a successful father. It takes a commitment. We can get so busy in life just going through the motions. Remember last podcast I had you list your roles. Some of you are fathers now. Some of you hope to be fathers in the future. That's a role that you hold once you have it. You you are a father the rest of your life. And you need to get on the path of success of being a successful father. When you do, you will gain the respect of your children. You'll gain the respect of other young people, of your family, of your community. Let me ask you this. What was your success score last week? If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I want to encourage you to go back and You can fast forward towards the end where I have individuals give yourself a score in the various roles you hold. Are you pleased with your effort? Are you pleased with your investment, the time you're giving your children? Do you need to improve? I say make a commitment that this is an area you'll focus time and attention Make a commitment today to get on and stay on the path to success as a father. 
If you're using a journal, I want you to write this down. Write this very phrase down. I commit to being a successful father. And then write the date beside it. I commit to being a successful father. Write the date beside it. Commit every day to spending time with your kids. Every day investing in your kids. Every day loving them. Every day looking for opportunity to encourage. Strengthen their self-esteem. If you have daughters, tell them how beautiful they are. Tell them how pretty they look. If they tell you a story, listen. Put your phone down. Quit watching the TV. Make eye contact. Focus on them. Listen. No matter how silly the story, no matter how much you have on your mind, just stop. Just listen to your kids. Commit to being a successful father. Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to invest time in training. You have to do it. You have to do it. I want to use some Bible. Remember I told you I was a preacher. Proverbs 22 and 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, if you're not a churchgoer, I think you would agree with me that there's some fundamental characteristics children should have. Respecting authority, respecting their parents, being kind, being generous, showing empathy, being friendly, work ethic. What the Bible tells me to do is to train my kids. I need to teach them. And guess what? I can explain or tell, but a big part of the way I teach them is by modeling that. I have to model it in front of them. When I face a difficult situation at work or when I face a difficult situation in life. Maybe I lose my cool. Sit down with your kids. Explain to them how that brought pressure on you, how maybe you didn't handle it well, how you're trying to be better. Just being honest with them, that's training. Think about this. Children without fathers training them in the way they should go, they're left to discover life their own way. And we've already covered the results. It's a fact. Young people need someone to guide them. Everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs a voice of reason in their life. What's interesting about this Bible verse to me is that in the the Hebrew phrase, uh, train up, and specifically the word train, it only occurs five times in the entire Old Testament. And it actually means to dedicate. To dedicate means to devote time, effort, or yourself to a particular task or purpose. In this case, we should be devoting time, effort, and ourselves to our children in the way he or she should go. Now, you may invest in them, and they may make poor decisions. 
They may choose not to listen. They may choose to ignore. They may choose to rebel. But this verse reminds us that there will come a day when they're older that they'll return to the teaching. They'll return to the way. So I say let's not abdicate our responsibility, men. Invest in your children. Teach them the way they should go. Something I did when my twins turned five years old. I began to think about how businesses have what's called a five-year plan. And I thought, well, if businesses have a five-year plan, why don't I as a father have a five-year plan? In other words, I have kids that are five. By the time they're ten, that's a huge change in life. So what lessons do I want to teach them in the next five years? And I actually took time to write down the lessons, the the thoughts, the the characteristics. I tried to dedicate one main theme each month over that five-year period to talk to my kids about. And then when they hit year 10, I reevaluated my five-year plan and took it out to age 15. Because from 10 to 15, that's a huge change. Entering puberty, getting a driver's permit, becoming a teenager. Lots of life changes there. Lots of new training. Lots of new topics to cover. Maybe something you want to do. You may want to develop a five-year plan for your kids. Devote a topic each month and spend time thinking about that. Let's look at the last thing you can do. After you commit, after you invest time, simply this. Number three, make training a part of everyday life. Just make it a part of life. There's a passage of scripture I read as a young father, and it really excited me because I didn't know what I should do or how I should teach or train my kids. Now, I just want to read it to you, and then I'll explain it. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be, In thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. First of all, verse 6 says we should teach our kids, or it tells us what we teach our kids has to come from our hearts, not just our minds. There's something, I want you to think about that, there's something about teaching from the heart that makes an impact more so than just trying to pass on knowledge. Think about a teacher you had in school. There's some that have a passion for what they taught. They believed in what they taught, and and to me their class was more engaging, more interesting, more impactful than those that were just trying to pass on knowledge. The same goes for fathers to children. Let your heart resonate to them. This means you have to be vulnerable. When you begin to expose the depths of your heart to your kids, they may see weakness. They may see areas where you have to improve. But that's okay. They begin to see that dad's real. He's he's trying He's on a a path to be successful. 
what I love about verse what I love about verse seven and eight is it tells us where to teach them. Sitting in the house, walking by the way, laying down, getting up. In other words, you don't have to sit down like you're in a class. You just use every moment as a teaching moment. Share from your heart the things you want your your child to learn. Share it when you get up, when you lay down, when you're playing ball on the court, when you're fishing, when you're eating dinner, when you're riding in a car. In other words, just take advantage of every opportunity. Just talk. And what's cool about this verse is it doesn't tell us to do it only if our kids respond positively to what we say. I know my daughters think I'm weird to them, but guess what? I don't care. We're still going to talk about life and how to treat people and how to set goals and how to work hard, how to treat your mother, how to treat your sisters, how to respect authority, how to be kind to others, how to show love to people different than you. These are lessons they have to learn, and it's my duty to teach them. And when am I going to teach them? Every opportunity I can. So let's recap. There is a fatherless problem in our world today, and the world needs men determined to be successful fathers. We need to commit to it. We need to invest in it. We're just like a trainer. We've got to dedicate time to train our children in the way they should go. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes giving ourselves. Training is our responsibility, men. We should take it seriously. And we need to make it a part of every day life. Listen, every day provides a teaching opportunity. I say find them. Use them. That's how you invest in your children. If you do these things, you can be a successful father. I believe it. Well, I hope what we've covered today is a, is a help to you. It encourages you and gives you some thoughts and ideas of how you can be a successful father or be a mentor to a, a, a child without a father figure in their life. And then I want to encourage you, if you know someone that's a father, you may think may benefit from this these thoughts or this podcast, share it with them. I want to encourage you to subscribe and, and, uh, and follow me. You can also find notes on manofsuccess.blogspot.com. That's manofsuccess.blogspot.com. Com. Next time, we're going to take a look at a book that influenced me as a young man and really still speaks to me today. This book's called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. It's been out for a while, but it's a great book, and I, I want to encourage you, if, if you don't own it, to add it to your collection. Really, the overall theme of the book is looking at the heart of a man and the struggle between that desire for adventure and being tamed by society or by religion. It's quite the battle. So until next time, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Successful Man Podcast.